Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Present. <laughs> and Ziggy Rodriguez. Aye, aye, Captain. Yes, we're all here. Uh, and we're just going to take a random poll here. Uh, raise your hand if you've been saved. Ooh. No, see, Tom, you're Catholic, so you have not been saved. Oh, so, right. no, you know what? We're going to talk about this idea of salvation. Here comes and, the mail. Well, you know, already. Well, that's all right. That, that's okay. This is, you know, everyone, hopefully everyone knows that I'm a jokester sometimes, mm-hmm. and maybe it seems like I'm being a little flippant here, but I'm not. I, I, I promise you, this is, a, this is actually a neat thing we're going to do today, because, you know, we're, we actually live in the Bible Belt, right? We're like in right the in buckle. The right yeah, in the heart. Right? Mm-hmm. And I know that you have seen. I have a little picture here. You've seen these kind of billboards, right? It says like there's a there's yeah. a billboard that says "Have you been saved?" Yeah, yeah. And then there's one like "If you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternal life?" And you know the reality is that uh, when we as Catholics, and I'm not going to really speak to this from a Protestant perspective, I think from our, our Reformed uh, brothers and sisters, but I would say for Catholics, I mean we. We we get this image. <laughs> I'm showing him a picture of the deer in the headlights. <laughs> it's, it's a deer that's, that's a got these big image. giant uh, like cue balls for eyeballs, and that's what sometimes I think Catholics can get that way, right? Because you know we use we use different terminology. Mm-hmm. We we speak sometimes a different language, even though it's all English, mm-hmm. right? For most of us, it's it's like it, it's a different way of viewing. Uh, things you know, justification, sanctification, um, uh, salvation—all all these redemption, all these words that we use. Sometimes I think it takes like a canon lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, to really decipher what what's actually being. What's the question? Have you been saved? And um, and as also, I think what adds to the deer in the headlights is is certainly there's some really good scriptures. I will say that our reformed brothers and sisters they know their scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right, and many Catholics don't. Mm-hmm. So then they will hear scriptures like uh, Saint John in his first letter saying, "I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life." So when someone says, "Tom, do you know that you have eternal life?" Now you're 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 well informed, uh, and you're also big, so you you <laughs> you you could just push them aside. He called me fat, Sam. No. Oh, you're a D one football player, <laughs> so there's that. Me fat. That's right. He also no, called no. you fat. Yes. Don't make no. me have a flashback. No, he he played for the Memphis Tigers, who are currently ranked. So yeah, we, we got that, that out there. So that is definitely <laughs> something that's important. That was well played. So, but I will say that, like, you hear a scripture like that, mm-hmm. and it does make you wonder. I mean, and and I know I know growing up when I would hear that, and there's other scriptures like St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the second second chapter. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is a gift from God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. It's like, have you received this gift? Mm-hmm. Have you accepted this gift? You have been saved. If only you accept this gift. And and then there's another one, St. Paul's letter to the Romans in the 10th chapter. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, those things sound very, very, like, assured. Mm-hmm. And so I know that as a younger man, when I would hear that, 
I mean, I had this this image that uh, there was like I was on the train, and like the ticket taker guy had come along and he had punched my ticket. Chick chick, you are going to heaven. I mean, all aboard the Heaven Express. Because if if I, I mean, it's like simple. If I if I so wait, if I confess with my lips, right? But now also believe in your heart, you'll be saved. I mean, those are words that are comforting, I think, for a lot of people. Absolutely. If they want to hear that. So it goes back to this question. I mean, can we say that? And so I I wanted to look at a few scriptures here to kind of understand, like, what does a Catholic say? Mm -hmm. How does a Catholic address this specific issue? Right? And one of those things, one of the first things I would point out is maybe to dispel the idea of the ticket punched kind of thing like there's nothing there's no, no longer anything that can keep me away from heaven now once i have had my ticket punched once i've i've come to the knowledge of jesus christ i've accepted him as my personal lord and savior i'm going to heaven mm-hmm. and there is nothing i mean we have scriptures that say there's nothing that can take you out of the lord's grasp right but then there's this one sort of like it we're talking about a final judgment where jesus brings up in in chapter 7 of matthew he says not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven Right, and I'll paraphrase, and they go on and say, "But Lord, we 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 you know loosed demons in your name, and we we raised you know the lame and cured the sick, you know, in your name." But I never knew you, mm-hmm. you know. And those are kind of haunting words. So what is then? What does it take to actually be saved? And that's that's what we want to get into today. Um, and so, for those of you uh, who are Catholic and you're wondering, like, can I actually be assured of my salvation? Because I, I will tell you that the vast majority of our Reformed brothers and sisters, so Protestants, especially I, I love the Protestants who listen to this show, and I think it's awesome that you're listening to this show, um, and just to, uh, uh, I will let you know that it makes Catholics nervous during the headlights when we hear things like this because we don't know how to address this in the same language, right, whether or not we're, we're saved. And so we want to talk about whether or not Catholics are saved right. and whether there's actually an easy answer to that question. Now, there is. You have to listen to the whole show, but <laughs> but there is there is an easy answer. But I want to understand first. I want I want to help some of our Catholics who aren't as familiar with their scriptures, and they should be because I remember as a younger Catholic, I was not familiar with my scriptures. Mm-hmm. I didn't read this stuff. But I will say, um, it, one of the things we need to point out is when we listen to scripture, it's it's one thing to quote a scripture and to say this, and this is what it says in scripture, but it's a whole nother thing. To take one scripture and say this is the only way to look at this, because there's lots of scriptures, mm-hmm. and in fact, what we find out is that in scripture itself, there are three different tenses of salvation. There is I have been saved, mm-hmm. I am being saved, and I will be saved. Right. So it, it helps us to know that there may not be this pivotal moment where now suddenly. Your, your ticket's punched. Mm-hmm. And I want Catholics to understand that. So some of the examples that we have for um, uh, I have been saved, so salvation has happened. Um, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, for in this hope we were saved, past tense. To the Ephesians in chapter 2 he writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? And his second letter to St. Timothy, chapter 1, God who saved us, and called us with a holy calling, again, past tense. And then this, the letter to Titus um, in chapter 3, he saved us not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So those are all past tense, right? We've been saved. Mm-hmm. Good. 
That's awesome. Sounds like ticket punched. But then wait a second. The second tense of salvation that's in scriptures is also I am being saved. Right? I mean, the process of being saved. St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you. He's not done with you. Right. right? He is at work in you. So it's maybe a little presumptive right, to say that. Um, in the St. Peter, uh, first letter of St. Peter, as the outcome of your faith, you obtain the salvation of your faith. Not you have obtained, but you essentially are obtaining so you're in the process of obtaining. And then uh, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter in chapter 1, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then, of course, that last tense, um, I will be saved. It's, it's a future event. Salvation will happen in the future. There's a couple of parallel verses or very close to each other, Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 24. But he who endures to the end will be saved, but he who perseveres to the end will be saved. In other words, you're only going to be saved if you endure and if you persevere, right? Mm-hmm. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15, but we believe that we shall be saved, right? Shall be, not that we are saved uh, through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Um, and then uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved, right? Again, it's a future event. St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, if you confess with your lips that uh, and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Future event. Uh, see, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So you see there's all these verses of the future of salvation. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm already there. So when someone says to you, when they approach you, have you been saved? You can really start to ask them the question, well, how is it that I know that I've been saved if Scripture talks about I am being saved. And Scripture also talks about I will be saved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and all of these have the, uh, the image of, of, of we're doing things. We're in the process, right? We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling is another one I'm going to read in a second. And you start to realize all of these things are in those three different tenses. So it's not always really good to say there's only one tense of salvation, I have been saved, right? And in several of these, I hope you've noticed, Several of these are uh, letters that St. Paul has written. So St. Paul himself has used the phrase, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Right. Right? And it can be kind of confusing. So, Sam, do you ever encounter people asking you those kind of questions? And, you know, have you been saved? And that language, does that confuse you at all? Because you don't seem to have that look of the the deer in the headlights (laughs) that Tom has. Well, I think that there's a lot of confusion that many people have about salvation and sort of what it is and uh, and what it isn't. And I think that there's a one thing that we might need to be in touch with is there's an innate fear that a lot of us have as to, uh, gee, I really want to know what's going to happen after I die. Oh, yeah. kind of want to be oh, in no, control of that outcome, yeah. right? And so I think as a result, we tend to try to think of salvation as just in terms of, am I in heaven or am I in hell? And right. it's this distant thing after I die. We want to know the answer to the test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as opposed to really focus it on how God really is working on us in each present moment. You know, the way I try to flip it when I'm talking to, to folks who come from that perspective of have you been saved is 
are you li- right now with the way you're living out your life? Are you living out heaven? Are you living out hell? Are you living out purgatory? Right. You know, where are you right now in relation to God? And, you know, do they, if they ask, do I have eternal life within me? You darn tootin'. I have eternal life within me. I show up to daily mass. Right. I receive the most holy Eucharist. You know, you know the scripture tells us in John 6 that that's how I uh, evidence of knowing that I've got eternal life <laughs> within me right there. Right, but but don't you think it you 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 run the risk of the sin of presumption sometimes as a human being. Right. Right when you say, "Well, I know where I'm going." Oh, sure. I mean, because I know there are times where I may have said that to myself, and then I realize, you know, but I don't, that's, that may not be where I'm going. Wait a second. By this action I'm doing right now, the fact that we continually sin. Well, especially we have, uh, you know, the letter of John, first letter of John, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, where he says, if anyone... if anyone sees his brother committing what is not a mortal sin, he will ask, and God will give him for those uh, sins who are not mortal. Right. But then he goes on to say that uh, uh, there is a sin which is mortal, and I do not say that one is to pray for that. Right. You know, and and, and so he's saying, gosh, if someone has fallen into, you know, we have in the Catholic Church the distinction between mortal sin and venial sin because of what Scripture teaches. Right. You know, and there is a cure for it. It isn't just about we lay people praying for each other. It's about going to the sacrament of confession mm-hmm. and getting right with God through the sacrament. Or, you know, take people people who struggle with the notion of, of there being a way in which salvation is lost. Lost. Mm-hmm. In Hebrews ch- 10, chapter, verse 26, it says, For if we sin deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire which will consume the, uh, the adversaries. And the, the, the key verse there, the key part of that verse, after receiving the knowledge of the truth. Yes. I mean, so technically, what does that mean? In fact... There's some more scriptures I want to read just like that mm. that that are going to help us see that like kind of turns the tables on this whole topic about being saved and not being saved and what's going to happen to you when you die, mm. right? And uh, and so uh, because I think it's going to flavor our conversation uh, a little more. Um, and uh, before we do that, though, we want to we're going to take a break. And before we take a break, I want to remind folks at home get a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, yes, and please like us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Wonderful. And if you will pers- persevere through the break, we'll be right back. <laughs> And this is another great moment in church history. Throughout history, Catholics have contributed greatly to the development of society, promoting government based upon justice and the dignity of the human person. One prime example of a great church statesman was Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Born in 1150 in Lincolnshire, England, Stephen studied theology in Paris. His piety and love of God won him the respect of other clerics, including the future Pope Innocent III. He was elevated to Archbishop of Canterbury in 1207. At that time in church history, the books of the Bible were not subdivided. Typically written in scrolls, the only separation would be a space at the end of each line of sacred text. 
Archbishop Langton divided the books of the Bible into chapters so they could be more easily referenced and studied. These chapter divisions are the ones still used today. With a strong personal devotion to the Holy Spirit, Archbishop Langton is also credited with authoring the prayer, Vini Spiritus Sanctus, or Come Holy Spirit, which is often part of the liturgy at Pentecost. This love of the scriptures and devotion to the Holy Spirit guided Archbishop Langton to have a profound impact upon the development of human rights. At that time in England, there was a great political crisis as the reigning King John had rescinded several of the rights granted to barons by his predecessor, King Henry I. Archbishop Langton led a group of barons in a struggle against the king. Furious with the archbishop's actions, the king declared anyone who followed the archbishop a public enemy. But the clergy of England, as well as the pope, were fully supportive of Archbishop Langton. Several negotiations occurred among the parties to try and secure the rights of barons against the king. Ultimately, in 1215, Archbishop Langton led a council of churchmen in Westminster, which drafted the Magna Carta, the first great statement of individual liberties, which was ultimately signed by King John. This great statement of rights is the forerunner of other codifications of rights, including the Bill of Rights which is part of the American Constitution. Archbishop Langton should serve as an example to Catholics in our modern day to study the scriptures, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and stand up to oppressive governments to protect the rights of all persons. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Tom Dorian and with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, and we are talking about salvation. We are. We're trying to save Tom. We're doing our best. Thank you. Uh, and, you know. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you. Yeah, you probably do. I always ask questions off the air because. You guys, it's very difficult to get a word in edgewise with you too. I run just my mouth so too know. much. Just so you hey, know. and, and right. I, I admit that, that. I admit that freely. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so ultimately what you're talking about. I'm not about talking for the rest of the show. Arguing about is uh, once saved, I always failed. saved. <laughs> saved, always saved. That's where you're going, or that's where you are. are you going, so, so you're asking. That's the, when you get the deer in the headlights stare from a Catholic. Always saved. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we are talking about assurance of salvation, but, but I will say this. I mean, if you look at the word, to me, that salvation or being saved, it's either or, right? It, it's it's kind of like you you can't be partially pregnant, you are or or you are not. And so, in the same way of salvation, you are you are saved or you are not saved. And and I'll say this now as a Catholic, I what Paul says about that. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But but I think from the perspective of the some of our reformed brothers and sisters who will ask that question, they're coming from the perspective of you are or or you are not. Right? Totally, totally. So what that means then as a Catholic, do we like do we just go like, "Oh, y'all trying to trick me?" Which that's not what's happening. Right? Cuz to a certain degree, even a Catholic should understand that that do we we need to discuss is is salvation something that happens at a one time point in your life mm-hmm. like you are saved at this moment and then at every moment from that point forward 
you will not be taken out of God's hands. Right. Right. And that's we're, we're talking about that somewhat, but I guess what I'm hoping we're doing is showing that some of these scriptures here help us to know that the Catholic point of view is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sound in terms of all this. And I know um, Sam, right before the break, was talking about uh, this letter to the Hebrews and uh, in chapter 10 where we hear the sacred writer, for if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful prospect of judgment. Right, And if we look at that phrase, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what does that mean? Right, If you've received the knowledge of the truth, I mean, I, w- I would think that might be a sort of precursor to the, to the verbiage having been saved. Right. So if you say, for if we sin deliberately after having been saved, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment. So that's different than uh, once and only once saved, always saved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's another really good one in the, that same letter to the Hebrews in chapter 6. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. That all sounds like being saved. Mm-hmm. All right? It sounds like what that means. It's impossible to restore again to repentance those when they do all that stuff if they then commit apostasy. Since they crucify the Son of God on their own account and hold him up to contempt. So it's like, wait a second. That doesn't sound like the sacred writer to the Hebrews is, is saying once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. He doesn't sound like he's asking that question, are you saved? It sounds like there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. right? In fact, we, we need to really figure out like, what does the Bible tell us? How do we attain salvation? Mm-hmm. Right? And if you read, there's several scriptures we could read, but we'll read a few of them. But it, what it requires, like again, from the Catholic perspective, active, continual perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's work. It's things we do. It's, it's attitudes that we maintain. It's faith that continues to grow. And we're never there. We're always trying to, to improve this. And so Matthew chapter 10 but he who endures to the end will be saved. Hebrews 12.1, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Philippians chapter 2, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And again, this is St. Paul, and why would St. Paul be talking about fear and trembling to people who have been saved? Right, if you've been saved, if you've said the sinner's prayer, if you've if you've had that assurance of salvation sort of bequeathed to you, mm-hmm. why would you be working this out with fear and trembling? Why you and you're working out your own salvation? Again, the Hebrews uh, sacred letter, the writer to the Hebrews chapter three: For we share in Christ, for we share in Christ, if only we hold our our first confidence firm to the end. And what does that mean to the end? Man, mm-hmm. you know, what a sad uh, your last breath. Right. Yeah. yeah, so I would think they would mean that. Uh, second letter to Timothy, the saying is sure, if we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And then uh, James chapter 1, blessed is the man who endures trial. And Revelations chapter 2, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. All those things make me think that w- this is something that is an ongoing process like the conversion salvation is something that happens our entire life mm-hmm. right that salvation is constantly at work in us that the lord's grace is at work 
in us. We stumble, we fall. As you mentioned, Sam, we go to confession. But the reality is, it's not a done deal. Our ticket's not punched. And I, I love um, Pope St. John Paul II in his letter in 1990, Mission of the Redeemer. He talked about salvation as a dynamic and lifelong process which demands a continual turning away from life according to the flesh to life according to the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. It doesn't stop. You know, within my own life, some of you might have already seen my conversion story. It's on YouTube, Sam Rodriguez conversion story, St. Leo's lunch. Um, and I had a conversion experience in 2005 that was short-lived, and then I fell again. And then 2011, I ultimately came back, and that was really when I made a commitment to God that stuck. And in those years between 2005, 2011, I was running off, and I was being an idiot, and I was doing my own thing. But I can point to times in my life where I knew that God didn't give up on me and was trying to bring me back. But I was being stubborn in my own will to choose to run away from him. But see, that's what we know. We can be assured of his his steadfastness, the fact that he's not going anywhere. Mm. We go all the time. And a lot of people will look and think like, well, certainly St. Paul. I mean, he's brazen. He's brash. He's going to be the one that's assured of his own salvation. But there's some couple of great quotes from him in his letter to the Corinthians. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. I mean, it's obvious. He's like, hey, don't don't count me as like this yet. To the Philippians chapter 3, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. So it's an ongoing process. And so when someone says, ask a a good Catholic, are you saved? We can answer it in the affirmative, like really three ways. I have been saved by the cross of Christ. I am being saved as I walk through the life, through life with Jesus. I will be saved if I persevere in faith to the end. See, that's the answer to that question. It's really a good one, but it, it incorporates all of the, the ongoing salvation. It incorporates all the tenses of salvation and this, this idea that God is at work in each one of us, right? He's steadfast, he's sure, he's true, and he, and he wants us, like the prodigal son, to return to him. And you know what? And he also has given us a mother to love us, even those times, Sam, like when we walk away from him. Mama's calling us back, too. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.